started here very shortly. If you're joining us by live stream, thank you for attending with us this morning. And we are going to get this going here as soon as we get all the bugs worked out. So just keep on praying.
All right, good morning, everybody. I think we are ready to start. We're running on a, a little bit of a skeleton crew this morning, so thanks for your patience. We uh, don't usually start a service like this, but we're going to sing a song that we don't normally sing. So this is No Longer Slaves. You unravel me with a melody. You surround me with a song. So this triumphantly. A deliverance from my enemies until all my fears are gone. I'm no longer a slave.
We can still gather and lift up our voices and sing that we are not a slave to fear. Why? Because I am a child of God. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Before we get started this morning, I'm going to open this in a word of prayer. But as we do so, there's a couple of prayer requests that I think we need to throw out and make sure we remember. All those who are in hospitals and such right now across this land, we need to continue to keep them in prayer. Our first responders, our nurses, our doctors... All the folks that are putting themselves in harm's way, guys, remember to continue, continue. This is not about politics at this point. So many want to try to politicize this. This is not about politics. This is about human being to human being, being what God has called us to be. Amen? Lost and saved. That's the only two things that God is looking at. And we need to look at these folks and lift them up in prayer and pray they get the rest they need and make the choices and decisions that are needed. And also, too... Those that are in the hospitals and those that are not, because there are many with the new restrictions, their loved ones are in there by themselves and they're not able to go in. So we need to keep all that in our prayers. That being said, one of our own, uh, uh, Joe Martinez Sr., Joe, I thank you that we, I thank you that we can gather together in your house and lift your holy name, knowing that you are Lord of Lords and King of Kings. And I do lift up Joe to you this morning, Lord. In the family, I pray that you bring a peace throughout the family and let Joe know that he is in your hands in there, Lord. And just guide the doctors and nurses for Mr. Martinez and just get him to, to be feeling better in whatever it is that needs to be regulated and brought him, bring him around to where he needs to be, Lord. And God, all those that are in hospitals, our doctors, our nurses, our, our, our anesthesiologists, there's so many names and technicians that I have no idea whom they are, but you know each and every one of them. You know the very hairs on their heads, Lord God. You you are orchestrating and choreographing every little bit of this. And I just lay it all in your capable hands and just ask for your your guidance and your strength to go out amongst those people. And let them feel your peace and your patience. And God, just take away the fear. The, the fear and the pandemonium and the anxiety that's wreaking and havoc within our, our populace of this nation, Lord God. As we're going to speak about here later, Lord, I know you are the Prince of Peace. May people find you to find peace, Lord, is what what I pray this day. And God, we just lay this service in your hands. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. 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 So what I want you to do, we're not going to walk around this morning, but I want you to turn around and do the parade wave to everybody. Say, good to see you in God's house this morning. Amen. You can be seated. I got just a couple of announcements that I want to throw out there as well. First and foremost, Miss Marjorie Chivalbean. Chivalbean? Chivalbean? Close enough. Birthday yesterday, guys. 
Amen. Amen. We don't count age anymore. And Alan was smart enough to tell tell me it was our birthday, but that's as far as I go. (laughs) Hallelujah. So praise the Lord. Happy birthday to you, ma'am. Also, I want to throw out there River City Community Church uh, on Lookout Road in San Antonio. They are offering uh, between 9 a.m. and noon on Wednesdays and Saturdays. Between 9 a.m. and noon on Wednesdays and Saturdays, if you've lost your job or you find yourself in a position you can't find food and you're hungry, they are going through the food bank and they are dispersing food through the church there on Lookout Road. So that is an opportunity for you. Also, too, if there's something you're missing here uh, and, and because you've been quarantined or something of that nature, please, again, make sure you let us know so that we can help you, if at all possible, uh, getting your meds or groceries, whatever it may be that you need. Please don't go hungry. Call somebody. We'll figure out what we're going to do. Amen? Okay. I think that's enough of the announcements this morning. Just remember to keep uh, Joe and Bob and Patricia. Also, Gloria is in the hospital still with a... She's coming home today. All right. Amen. However, continue to keep her in your prayers. She's still got a little ways to go there. So continue to pray for her as well. All right. Well, Brother uh, Stormy, it's your turn, brother. Come on up. Father God, I do lift up my brother to you today. And uh, God, may you just bless his soul and bless his heart. May we hear you through him in Jesus' name. In, in God's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, brother. Amen. 38, verse 8. And I'm going to read it to you out of the real Bible, also known as the King James Version. I'm going to read it to you out of the living Bible, which is a good paraphrase. And then I'm going to give you my commentary. So just sit back and get real comfortable. The Lord will perfect that which concerneth me. Thy mercy, O Lord, endureth forever. Forsake not the works of thine own hand. Now, out of the Living Bible, it says, The Lord will work out his plan for my life. For your loving kindness, Lord, continues forever. Amen. Don't abandon me, for you made me. Now for my commentary. There's a lot of pages there, bro. Don't worry. Be happy. No, seriously. God's got this. Let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, that if we trust in you with all our heart and we lean not to our understanding, you'll direct us to the center of your will, which is the best place for us. Father, we know that it'll be good because you love us, and we thank you and praise you for this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, brother. Amen. Good job.
let's uh, let's keep singing this morning. It's one of the easiest and most fun things to do. One of the simplest things that we can do just to give praise unto God. Say it again. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Say it again. 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 Beryl's excited this morning. I like it. All right. Rugged cross, I 
goodness is running out. It's running after me. Your goodness is running out. It's running after me. My life laid down, surrender now. I give you everything. Your goodness is running out. It's running after me. Sing that again, church. Your goodness is running out. It's running after me. Your goodness is running out. It's running after me. With my life laid down, surrender now. I give you everything. Your goodness is running out. It's running after me. All my life you have been so, so good With every breath that I have made I will sing of the goodness of God Sing that again All my life you have been faithful So, so good With every breath that I am made for I will see the goodness of God I will see of the goodness of These guys come and practice in the week and come and lead us in worship on Sunday mornings. Amen. We are able to sing about the goodness of God and how we are not a child of fear because I am a child of God. I'm not enslaved to fear because I'm a child of God. All these songs are because he lives and puts in the heart of these folks to come practice and lead us. Amen. Hallelujah. So again, we say good morning to everybody that's on, on the live feed as well. We got a lot of folks that aren't here that are staying home. Uh, Morgan's not in the back. She's at home as well. But praise the Lord. They're with us virtually. Amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles this morning, turn to the book of Mark. Mark chapter 5. <clears throat> Mark chapter 5. You know, as, I, as, I tur- as you're turning there, you know, it's times such as this that we find ourselves in, in this country, when there's so much anxiety and so much panic and so much fear going on in the world and so many things are happening in our lives that we we oftentimes say this is when we need to remember the power of laughter and we've been told laughter is a good medicine and that is so incredibly true however that's not where God led me this morning what he was leading me to was that there are times in our lives when we should not be laughing that laughter isn't it's not the appropriate response In Mark chapter 5, starting in verse 35, if you're there this morning, say amen. Amen. Okay, nobody's there yet. (laughs) Say amen this morning. Oh, it is on the screen. Amen. It is on the screen anyway. We put John double duty back there. I didn't know if he'd be able to grab that. Thank you, John. 
While, I mean, verse 35, while he was still speaking, people came from the synagogue leader's house and said, your daughter is dead. Why bother the teacher any longer? But when Jesus overheard what was said, he told the synagogue leader, don't be afraid. Only believe. He did not let anyone accompany him except Peter, James, and John, James's brother. They came to the leader's house and he saw a commotion. People were wailing loudly and he went in and said to them, why are you making such a commotion and weeping? The child is not dead, but asleep. And they started laughing at him. But he put them all outside. And he took the child's father, mother, and those who were with him and entered the place where the child was. Then he took the child by the hand and said to her, Talithia Kahum, which is translated, little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately the girl got up and began to walk. She was 12 years old. At this, they were utterly astonished. Then he gave them strict orders that no one should know about this and said that she should be given something to eat. Folks, I share this passage of scripture with you this morning to point some things out. It is here Jesus is coming face to face with a typical attitude and conduct of people in the events of tragedy. So oftentimes we are in the midst of whatever it may be in our lives or right now as a nation and we look at the situation and we throw up our hands and say all is lost. While Jairus was speaking, uh, uh, excuse me, while Jesus was still speaking to the crowd, the people come up and told Jairus, uh, his servants come to him and say, your daughter is dead. There is no more help. Why bother the teacher anymore? Why even talk to the rabbi any longer? Why even go to this Jesus? This is all done. It's already a done deal. It, there is no more that he can do. That is what happens so often in the world today. When there's something going on, we put our understanding to it. And we stop short of what God can do. And they start saying, well, uh, you know, Jerry, she's dead. There's no need to bother Jesus anymore. There's nothing he can do about it. And Jesus hears this. And he urges Jerry, what? He says, have no fear. Just believe. Now, he doesn't tell him what I'm going to do. Jesus is going to do. He doesn't say I'm going to do this or I'm going to perform that. He doesn't tell the, the synagogue leader, Jerry, is here that I'm going to perform this or perform that. He looks at Jerry and says, you need to make a decision. Listen to them in fear or listen to me and believe. You can do one or the other, Jarius. What is your decision? And the great thing we see in the scriptures here, praise God, is Jarius doesn't even question. They go to his house. Jarius didn't buy into all the people saying she's gone. He saw Jesus and Jesus said, believe in me. And when they arrive at the house, Jesus sees an incredible commotion going on. The people are crying, they're wailing, and all this is, is going on there. And, and, and the house is in utter up, upheaval. There's all this panic and all this fear and, and all this sadness. Is that not the situation that we find ourselves in the world today? Where there are so many people that have been allowed themselves to be amped up by our media and everybody else, if you will, politicians included. But they've been amped up and they have this now living in fear mentality, wanting to hide and hole up and are scared to death of every little thing that's going on around them. There's weeping and wailing and, and they're, they're, they're just afraid. Folks, the media loves to to tout the numbers of confirmed cases and deaths. But very rarely do we get to hear about the incredibly huge number of people who have been healed. They don't want to talk about the good numbers. They don't want to talk about all that kind of stuff. Why? 
Because that doesn't build ratings. And if you don't build your ratings, nobody's going to come and watch your show. They're not talking about how many people are actually contracting the virus and are asymptomatic. means that they didn't even have anything really go wrong with them. Sure, you'll hear it here and there. But what do we hear the most of? Let's get them afraid. Let's get them worked up. And let's get them panicked. Let's sensationalize these things. So they'll watch our news show. So that politicians will get amped up and scared as well. And start doing things they normally would not do. So much of this is, this isn't new. That's how people who don't know and look into the eyes of God. And God said, believe those who choose not and look into the world. Choose to walk into sensationalism, darkness, and fear. And they, and they fall into this hole. And, 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 and guys, oftentimes, even as Christians, we allow ourselves, we allow the media to move in our minds and in our hearts to a point where we start seeing things as hopeless as well. We start chaining ourselves to the darkness and the despair. We start chaining ourselves to, oh, it, it's just all, it's just all bad. We're, there's no reason to even live anymore. Folks, there was a great commotion there. The people were crying and then they were wailing. That's what I'm hearing so much today as well. Someone told me just this last week, they said, Pastor, you know, that the, the, the world is such a horrible place. There's so many horrible things going on in the world. That we, on top of all these illnesses, we have rape, we have murder, we have child molestation, we got war. We got all this going on in the war- world, and there is no peace. And I looked at them and I said, you're absolutely right. And they were kind of astonished. They were looking for a fight. They didn't expect me to agree with them. I said, you're absolutely right. Except... There is the peace that comes from the personal touch of Jesus Christ. And if you don't know Jesus, then yes, all you're going to see is the hurt and the heartache and the pain and the abuse and the darkness. But when you put your faith in the one who defeated all those things, you don't have to be chained to fear any longer. You can stand and live victorious, not because you're some kind of of mental health expert, but because inside you have the Prince of Peace now residing, and you know that whatever come what may... It's in capable hands and it's not a man's hands. That's where peace comes from. The the, the people who know Jesus know peace, but those who do not, they are still trapped in darkness and fear. And when we allow the media and the politician and whomever to stay trapped in darkness and fear, what do you expect to get back? But darkness and fear and panic and anxiety. That's why it's so direly important of this time of any other that Christians quit hiding in a hole, stand up, and proclaim the grace, the power, and the mercy of Jesus Christ. It is Christ who brings victory, not the government. It is Christ that will bring you peace. Not the laboratory professors or whatever. What brings peace is the blood of Jesus Christ. When we choose, and it's a choice, guys. He looked at Jarius and said, don't listen to them and listen to me. Put your faith in me. Jarius had to make a choice. When we choose to put our faith in the talking heads on TV rather than Christ, we are putting ourselves into that darkness and that fear. And folks, I I will tell you, and you've probably heard me say it before, to live in fear is not living, that's existing. And God didn't tell us just to exist. He gave us a reason to live. He said, go ye therefore and baptize and make disciples. He told us, go and live your life. It's a scary place. He didn't hide that. He didn't try to sugarcoat it. But he said, be of good cheer, for I have conquered the world. I can live in the midst of a fearful world because I have the joy of knowing what's on the other side. 
Every Christian should be able to make that same stand. That's not just because I'm a pastor. That has nothing to do with it. There are many people I know who are not preachers or pastors per se, who are out there sharing the gospel, living their life without fear, and praising God every day that they do it. The difference between them and someone who doesn't is how much faith that they put in their Lord Jesus Christ. There is so much. Jesus walks up on the scene here and there's so much commotion, so much weeping, so much wailing. He's like, what in the world? There was so much hopelessness around Jairus' house. Do we not see that? You can't turn on the TV or the radio and not even, even, I'm going to go ahead and say it. Even my, my classic rock station, they sound scared in between the songs. And we live through it. I was riding the motorcycle the other day. I'm like, dude, who is this, this jockey? I don't, I don't know this one. Guys, the difference or what needs to happen in the world today is not for Christians to go into hiding. What the world needs is to know Jesus. And to know Jesus, to get out of the darkness and the fear that they're trapped in, they need those who know Jesus to go and tell them of who he is. They need us to stand up and not hide and say we're non-essential. They need, need the, the Christians to stand up and start proclaiming to the world that my God is still in charge, that he's still in control. Without Jesus, there is no hope, but there is always hope. Even in the midst of losing a loved one, I don't mean to diminish that. and It breaks our hearts when people of that happens. But guys, he never said that we were going to live forever. In fact, he says a point on man wants to, to die and then to face the judgment. We're all going to die unless he returns before then. In the meantime, we should be sharing the hope of God and of Jesus Christ and the hope of glory on the other side. And we can do so with our heads held high, even in a hospital room saying this is what brings peace and joy. Now, the gurus on TV, all those that tell you how to find real hope, they'll tell you, you know, the, the church is non-essential right now. You need to go and, and, and go to Home Depot and everybody pile into that one building so you can buy all the stuff to take home and build more stuff. And your stuff will bring you peace. Go, you know, the, 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 the dealerships, car dealerships, they're open. They're essential. Go buy you a new car. That'll bring you hope. I didn't mention the motorcycle dealerships. They do bring hope. No, I'm just kidding. You know, we need... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we need to focus, guys, on where Christ is. We need to share with them that those things are all going to end one day. Those things burn up one day. Things do not ever bring hope. They are trying to acquire those things, whether it's a big car, a big house, whatever it is. Those things do not bring hope. What brings hope is Jesus Christ. What brings hope is a relationship with the Prince of Peace. No matter how dark this world may be, no matter how hopeless it may seem, no matter how dire the situation we find ourselves in, there is an answer and that, that, that there is a solution to the predicament, and the predicament is life, and the solution is Jesus Christ. In the beginning, if you think of John's gospel, what did John start his book with? He said, in, in the beginning, there was this darkness all over the world, and he introduces Jesus as how? The light. Within darkness is despair and hopelessness, but he introduced Jesus as the light. 
And folks, darkness dispels when light comes onto the scene. Darkness does not exist where light stands. Darkness is going to go away when the light is shined. Jesus came into the world. He could, it would have been easy for God to give up on us. After all, we chose our fate. We chose sin over holiness. Think about Adam and Eve. They're, they're in the garden. Everything's going along there. I'm talking about before they chose to follow Satan. They had nothing but hope. They had bliss. They had everything complete and holy bliss. God walked amongst them in the garden. We know God cannot exist where, where sin is. Therefore, there was no sin. They had everything going on. But the, 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 the work was not a burden, it was a joy. They had all the food they could want. Everything was going great. Till they chose to look into the darkness. Till they chose to walk into the darkness. Till they chose to listen to Satan take some bits of God's word and mix it all up and take this, this little pill here. They lived in a place where they were never going to die. But humankind chose death over life. They chose hopelessness and despair over bliss. And folks, I would submit to you this morning that every time that a Christian relinquishes their, their hold on the heart of God and choose hopelessness and despair, you're continuing the same charade that Adam and Eve did. Every time you choose to turn your eyes off Jesus and put it back on the fear and the anxiety and the panic of this world, you're choosing to step back in the darkness when you had the choice to stay in bliss of knowing who Jesus is. God brings hope. The faith in Jesus Christ, the power of an all-moving God. I'm not saying the circumstance or situation may change. They did for Jairus. We'll talk about that a little more. But that is not always the way it happens. But the great thing is regardless of my situation and my circumstance, I can have joy and peace in my heart because my my life, my little 60, 70, 80, or maybe only 53 years today, who knows when my number is up. But I can know that when this life ends, to be absent from the body is to be present with my Lord. So my hope here is great, but it's even greater on the other side. For that reason, I don't have to live in fear. No Christian does. None of us. Every time we find peace, we find meaning in life. And how do we get our meaning in life? Through Jesus Christ and his word. It's when we have no meaning in our lives that we try to put meaning in our things. It's then that we'll start categorizing liquor stores as essential and churches as non-essential. It's then that we'll start thinking about, well, I need to build more stuff rather than study my word. We start making decisions based on hopelessness, darkness, and despair. Jarius' daughter, she was dead. The men come to tell tell Jesus, say, they saw no hope in the situation. Sure, they heard about Jesus. They knew Jairus was sitting at the feet of Jesus. They knew that Jesus and, and Jairus were right there together. But they didn't come in with the same belief that Jairus had. They said, oh yeah, we've been to synagogue. We know the preacher. But your daughter's gone. There's no need bothering Jesus anymore. Just put, just, just give up all your hope because there's no hope left. Don't bother to come to the house, Jesus. You know, it's it's a done deal. How sad it is that so many Christians today are doing the same thing. They're leaving Jesus at the door. There's no need to have church services because there is no hope anyway. You don't need to congregate and gather together. You don't have to join together. 
Folks, God is able to see hope no matter how hopeless we may think the situation is. And for that reason, we can see hope through one another. We can come together. Praise God that we have live stream and virtual church all around the world. But I pray, and we call that social media. But I pray to God that we never allow the computer to become the social aspect of God's people coming together, lifting hearts and hands, touching one another, praying over one another, and lifting it up saying that we choose to live as you. Did Jesus, folks? The, the Christians of the Roman era, they hid, they they were they had a lot of fear as well. But when it came to coming together, they chose to continue to do so, knowing what was going to happen, knowing that if they were found, so mote it be. Folks, Jesus went to Jairus's house, and he says, "Guys, guys, guys, what's all the commotion?" What, what are all y'all screaming about? Child's not dead. She's just asleep. I know these kinds of things. And what did the people there do? They laughed at him. They laughed at him. So many times when we bring up Christ, and when we say, well, God's got a hand on this, what do people do today? They laugh at us. Well, you know, you're just one of those Christians. You must be ignorant. You know, you don't know how the real world works. In the back of my mind, oh, brother, you don't know what the real world is. Much less how it works. For this world that you're worshiping is nothing but a footstool to the God I'm serving. And when we recognize that, when we put our faith in some greater, the people, are they don't comprehend it. They don't understand it if they don't know Jesus. So they, they laugh at us. Folks, let me share with you this one. There is always, always, always a new situation when Jesus comes on the scene. Things change. You, you can disbelieve his words. You can, you, you can say that he's not real. You can even laugh at him, but you cannot ignore him. You cannot ignore him. When Jesus comes on the scene, things change. Christianity, when it came into the Greek and, and Roman world, they were, there was a whole lot of laughter. They were saying, what is this? A cult. Around some crucified criminal. Why, you know, what a strange thing. I'm, what, what does a sophisticated person do but laugh at something like that? But yet, where's Christianity today? In Greece, in Rome. Whenever Jesus, his teaching, or his gospel, or anything of that sort, enters into anything, it goes against the grain of what the world expects. What the world thinks is settled and this is the way it is. When the gospel comes in and God works miraculous ways, the world stands back astonished and says, I, I, I don't know how he did that, but he does. Even in the early church when he said, go ye therefore and make disciples and baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And go and, and share and tell them to act as I have commanded you and I will be with you till the ends of the age. He gives us that commission. He tells us what to do. But the people still say, well, that, that, there's too many weird people in the world. Too many different kinds of cultures. Why would those who are shamanistic or polytheistic, why would they, why would they come to become a Christian? They, God didn't really mean that. God didn't really want us to go all over the world and do that. That was just a, that was just something he was saying for us to do. He wouldn't really want us to do that, but people did it anyway. And as people started moving around the world, what happened? 
God started growing. The church started growing. And it happened and it continues to, it ha- continued to happen. And folks, I would submit to you this morning that it still continues to this day. When we share the gospel, when we share the life-saving grace of Jesus Christ, when we tell people about Jesus, they're going to first look at us. They might laugh because they've been locked into that despair and that, that anxiety. But when they see the peace and the power that you have in the midst of the same situation they're in, how many times do they come to know Christ instead? How many times do they say, okay, I, 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 I see this now. I see what's going on. The problem here, guys, especially over the, I'm going to say the last 50 or 60 years, is the thing is that Christ has quit being taught and teached and teached, taught and preached. Amongst places, and I'm going to even say even the church. Christ is not preached anymore. We'll give five points on how to save your family. We'll give a, a four sermon week thing on how to manage your budget. We'll talk about this and we'll talk about that. Folks, when we take Christ out of the picture, we've taken power out of the message. When we take Christ out of the picture, we've taken the power out of the, 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 the joy and the victory out into the world. When we take Christ out of our sermons and out of our preaching and out of our teaching and out of our sharing of the gospel, we are trapping the world into a lost and darkened place. And now the church, the church itself, not counting the, the public officials, the church itself so many times now I have heard in the last 10 days is non-essential. And I'm saying from very high leadership within conventions, the church is no longer essential. We have computers. How incredibly sad that is. In a bind, sure. Live feed if you can. Praise God, we got people all over the world watching this service. That's the only way they can get here. But if we ever start saying we don't ever need to congregate together, I have to wonder, just like those who laughed about the Great Commission... But are we laughing when God said, do not forsake yourself, the assembling one with another? But yet I had preachers just this past week say, he didn't really mean that. He just meant, make sure you share the word. No, I think if Jesus said, do not forsake yourself, the assembling one with another, we need to come together, even if it's on a bunch of motorcycles going out and having hamburgers somewhere. But we are to go and be... We're to share the word of God. But we're not preaching Christ anymore. Praise God, I try, I, 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 I do, but there's so many churches today that do not. And as I was preparing for this message, I, I got, God brought back a memory. I was at a, a pastor's conference, I think it was. But anyway, there was a breakout session. In this breakout session, they said that they were going to, word by word, celebrate in the life of John Wesley. They were going to preach one of his messages. Word for word. And and even though I am not of the denomination that's of the John Wesley namesake per se, I I have read a lot of his works. I know that he was a fiery preacher. I know he was martyred for his faith, burned alive. This was a man that knew Jesus Christ. I was excited. There were other things I probably should have went to, but I said, no, I'm, I'm looking forward to this. I'm going to go and I can't wait to hear a message of John Wesley's preached the way John Wesley preached it. And I get excited and when it finally comes around, I go in there and it's not in the sanctuary they have in the fellowship hall. That's okay, I'm, I'm still excited. Well, then I see people all up on the stage in costumes and the, and the guy that comes to the pulpit, he's wearing these old clothes and a, and a white wig and all this stuff. I'm thinking, okay, it's going to be dramatized. So I'm good with that. 
But then he gets up there. And again, I have read enough about John Wesley to know that when he preached, people were going to listen. He was not just a sit down and be quiet kind of guy. But yet this guy gets up there, very monotone, reading word for word this message. But what made my heart sink was it wasn't that he was just reading it monotone, but he put all these silly facial expressions and hand activities. And the crowd was laughing. Now I'm thinking this was a real sermon. This was a gospel presentation to the people. And they're making a mockery of this. But what really got me, they got to a line that said, if you, you're going to go to hell if you don't accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And everybody laughed. They laughed. Now, I, I understand it was because of the way he presented it. He, he made it look like some buffoon kind of was like, you know, you're ignorant and antiquated and old. And that's why, you know, this is just an old kind of message type thing. But my heart broke because I thought, even if that was funny the way he said it, you must not have ever heard that taught in seriousness because if you really heard what was just said, that is not something to laugh about. If you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are destined to a devil's hell. Period. There's nothing funny about that. I make jokes. I like to joke. I am a cut-up. But there's some things you don't joke about and you sure don't laugh about. And the world that's lost in a dark and desperate way in that world of hopelessness... They are in that world. And to sit and laugh knowing that if I don't take them to Christ, they're going to go to a devil's hell. There's just nothing funny there. And yet that's what's going on around us. And I see the church either getting angry or laughing at those who are trying to stand and preach God's word. Paul told Timothy that all word is God breathed. He is in Jesus same yesterday, today, and forevermore. The writer of Hebrews tells us, we know. Also, Paul tells us that there are going to be a day, there's going to come a day when people are going to surround themselves with what they want to hear rather than what they need to hear. Things that tickle their ears. And unfortunately, there's a lot of pastors and preachers standing behind pulpits that are only putting forth what they feel like their congregation wants to hear so they'll get their tithes and get their offerings and get their attaboys and go on about their way. Folks, that has now, I think, in this day and era, in the last two weeks, I can see so clearly each one of these folks that are standing there. I'm not passing judgment. However, I will say that we as pastors, especially those who are given much or required much, those of us that know the word of God, but you as well that are supposed to be sharing the gospel, this is the time not to put your head in the sand, but start proclaiming the word of God. Amen. You don't have to be a great theologian. All you have to do is say, I choose to live with, with, with victory. I choose to not be chained. I choose not to be a slave to fear. Why? Because I am a child of God. That's all you need to know. Sure, we can talk denominational politics. We can talk about the, the eschatology. We can talk about all these different dogmas and doctrines. But bottom line, do you know Jesus Christ or not? Because if you do, you'll have hope. If you don't, you're going to be afraid and insecure. That doesn't mean that everybody knows Christ is, is living in victory. I'm not trying to say that. There are those of us that... Are, we allow the media to get to us or whomever it may be. I'm not trying to shut down. If you're, if you have fear in your life, I'm not talking ugly to you. But what I am trying to say is that Christ can alleviate the fear if you let him do so. If you put your faith 
in him completely. Yes, it, it may be a, a, a scary walk. Any soldier that's been on a battlefield will tell you they have fear in their hearts. But courage is getting up and doing what you need to do anyway with the fear around you. I, I, he's gone now, but I knew someone had a, a medal of honor. Actually, he had two of them that he got when he was in Vietnam. And I had known him for years before he ever shared with me those medals. I was like, "How? what are those? And he told me the story. He did, it was only because he knew me well. But he said, I wasn't a hero. I wasn't a hero at all. I did what I had to do to survive and happened to fall in the right place at the right time to save some people. But And they gave me these pieces of metal that mean absolutely nothing. He did what he had to do when he was called to do it. Was he afraid? Yes. But did he let his training and who he was for his fellow man step up? Absolutely. Folks, I would share with you this morning as Christians, we have been called to do what we are supposed to do. And now is the time to do it. Not hide in a hole. I'm not, God's not asking us to be heroes. He's just asking us to stand up and proclaim his gospel. Knowing that people are going to poke fun at us. When, the, when, we, when we quit preaching Christ, the church loses its power. And when the church loses its power, it withers and it dies. And when it withers and it dies, the people are going to die along with it. For if there is no light in the darkness, darkness takes over. You ever been out in a really dark, dark night without a flashlight? It's, it's almost impossible to see, isn't it? You trip and you bounce. The other night I caught me a hot wire across the legs. It reminds you real quick. Should have brought a light. <laughs> guys. I've been told the last seven or eight days, guys, that I've been taking the church far too serious. That the church is non-essential. I've, and I had someone just the day before yesterday tell me, well, you're... You're washing away any of your political aspirations. And this is what I said. If I ever let anything take away my message of Jesus Christ, I pray that God will remove it faster than I could have ever seen it come to be. The power of the church is Christ. And Christ is taught through us. We are his hands and his feet. And of all times that we should be proclaiming him is not in the midst, uh, not just when it's nice and happy and everything's right. It's now in the midst of a national anxiety and a national panic and a national pandemic. Now is the time for the church to stand and shine and show the world that we have something that the world does not. And that is the power and the faith and the mercy and the grace that comes through hope. And our hope is not in a building. I'm not talking about this building, but the gathering of the people looking to one Lord one God, one King, and His name is Jesus Christ. That's what brings hope. Amen. That's what brings hope. We're so afraid of the laughter that we don't share the gospel. Guys, it's time to get past the laughter. In fact, in reality, do you realize that laughter oftentimes is a nervous reaction? When you share Christ, it makes people nervous. And they'd rather laugh. Well, they don't even believe in Christ. It don't matter. In their heart, it causes somebody to make a decision. They have to say, either I am going to live for the world and what the world has to offer, 
or I'm going to give it all to Christ like this person here in front of me is telling me I should do. They realize deep down, most people do anyway, that, that Jesus is right and that the gospel makes sense, that this is really what is going to bring peace. And I have to make a decision here. Rather than make a decision, I'll laugh and try to get it pointed back on them. Folks, don't worry about the laughter. Jesus walked up. The people were all in a commotion and they were wailing and they were crying. And he said, the child is just asleep. And they laughed at him. Did Jesus hang his head and walk away? No. Did Jesus say, well, okay, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have, I shouldn't have came here? No. Jesus said, y'all get outside because we're going inside with the nice living, breathing young lady is at. And I'm going to go inside and I'm going to show her mama and her daddy what I can do. And I'm going to go inside and Jarius, are you going to go with them or are you going to come with me? And Jarius goes inside. Folks, the world, in reality, they may laugh at you, but they're going to respect a Christian who with tact, of course, tells them how it really is as concern for their soul far more than they're going to someone who sit, uh, uh, have, have any kind of, of, of uh, respect for someone who says that I'm a Christian and walks away from it. They'd rather, if you're going to claim that Jesus Christ is what, who saves souls, but yet you don't care enough about me to share it with me, then why should I listen to what you have to say? Even if I'm laughing at you, if you really cared about me, you'd tell me how it really is. Parents, how many times did you do something that your children didn't like, but you knew it was what was best, even though you didn't like doing it? (laughs) Yes, Mom, we heard that. There's no greater love than a human who shares the gospel with another, I believe. Now, I know the Bible says there's no greater love than he who lays down his life for his friend, But the one who laid down his life for his friends has told us to go and tell others about him, which puts you in that same boat. Sharing the gospel is what we've been called. And when I say sharing the gospel, I'm saying sharing Jesus Christ. Does it take courage? Absolutely. Are people going to laugh at you? Oftentimes. It, It does. But if we really care about others, if we really care about the darkness and the panic and the anxiety and the fear that is sweeping across our nation and across our communities, we need to let them know, accept Jesus Christ. Because if you really want to live, if we really care about others, we'll tell them, if you really want to live and just quit existing, then you need the Prince of Peace to abide within you. Now, it may cause some of us to lose some friends. It may cause some of us to... Uh, 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 have to walk away with people calling us names and laughing at us. But folks, let me tell you, it's incredibly worth it when somebody comes to know Christ and you see the change in their life and you start seeing them saying, wow, I don't have to live in fear. I can have victory. I can have joy. When the Holy Spirit, baptism of the Holy Spirit moves within them and they get excited and they start singing songs and they start praising the Lord and they go to work and their workers around them are saying, what in the world happened to you? And they can say, I accepted Jesus Christ this weekend. And I, and guys, there is no one more on fire than that one that just accepted the Lord. And you started it off. You set the ember a burning. Now Jesus did it. But he did it through your obedience. Jesus goes in there. And he looks at this girl. And he takes her by the hand. And the great thing here is when Jesus took her by the hand, immediately this girl stands up and she's walked around. And what did it say? They looked on with utter astonishment. 
When the world sees Christ in us, when the world sees us walking in victory in the midst of the fear, they are astonished. How can you do this? How did you raise that young child from the dead? Because there's no one more qualified to not be afraid of death than Jesus Christ. And if Jesus isn't afraid of death, and my faith in who I am is in him, then I don't have to be afraid either. And if I'm not afraid of it, then I can walk in the midst of it with a song in my heart, a joy in my step, and a grip in my hand to share Christ with you, regardless of what may happen, Because my God is still on the throne. The people will be astonished. They will be amazed. And then they'll say, I want what you've got. Christ is the answer. The only answer. That young lady rose up and walked. I guarantee you in the midst of all the COVID-19 stuff, coronavirus, whatever name you want to give it here. That my God is still on the throne. And though they throw all these numbers at you, and yes, there are going to be people who pass. Yes, there's going to be people who die. Yes, there's going to be people who get sick. Yes, most of us will probably get it at one point or another and be asymptomatic. Yes, there's a whole bunch of yeses here. But all that's still wrapped up in the more than capable hands of my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Therefore, since I have nothing to do with it because it's already in his hand, I'm going to live each day tactfully and thoughtfully and, and with wisdom. But I am going to go forth each day and live my life the way God has called me to live it, proclaiming the gospel to whom he's called me to tell it, and be what he's called me to be, knowing that even if today's my last day, I did so to the best of my ability, for this is a day that he hath made, not me. And I shall rejoice and be glad that it wasn't made by me, but made by him. And that's what every one of us needs to do, folks. Now, you can't do that if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Jarius made a choice when he looked to Jesus. The world told Jarius, walk away. Close the doors. Your daughter is dead. But Jesus said, put your faith in me and take me to your house. Jarius chose to put his faith in him, taking to his house. He gets to the house and the world says, she's gone. It's too late. Go away. Jesus says, trust me, take me inside, make them go away. They go inside and there's a young lady laying there. And dad's probably very nervous, very scared, but he still said, my faith's in you, Lord. I'm shaking because my daughter's not moving. And God says, watch this. And he picks her up and walks her around. Now, we don't know it, but I'm pretty sure that daddy probably wrapped his arms around her pretty tight right then. And he looked to Jesus and tell me that Jairus didn't have a good word about Jesus the rest of his life. When you put your faith in the Lord and let him come into your house, let him wash and cleanse you and make you clean. But even better than that, let him wrap his arms around you. The tighter you allow him to wrap those arms the more you'll find you're talking about him everywhere you go. And the world may tell you that you're non-essential, that your faith is non-essential. I have been told I'm not, my faith is non-essential more in the last eight days than I have my life. But that's okay. Because that's what they told Jesus too when they nailed him to that tree. You're just a criminal that's going to die on that, on that cross. We're going to gamble for your clothes. That you won't have anything left. But three days later, that, that, yeah, how'd that work out? That stone rolled out of the way. 
and he arose, defeating death, hell, and the grave. I love a meme. I don't know why Facebook keeps coming to my mind so much right now, but I posted it. They think they can shut down Easter, but all the powers of hell already tried, and it didn't work. (laughs) Amen. It's not going to happen. Where are you this morning? Do you know Jesus is your Lord and Savior? And if so, are you telling others? I don't care if they laugh at you. I've been called some pretty uh, interesting names. And there's a few times I said, do you even know me to go that far? But that's okay. Because my God knows me. And he knows you. And he also knows whether you've accepted him or you have not. If you're watching by live stream, you don't have to be here right where you're at as well. God knows your heart. If you've truly surrendered your heart to him and still fearful, praise God, he loves you anyway. But I'm telling you, the more you allow him to wrap his arms around you, the more strength you'll have and be able to get out there and face that world. But if, if he's telling you to sit on your couch and just love on him and pray, hallelujah, love on him and pray because he may be putting a song in your heart. You may be writing the next amazing grace, whatever it may be. But don't allow CNN, MSNBC, Fox, Spectrum, whomever, steal your joy. Let Christ continue to fill. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, He stands at the door and knocks. He said, if any man will open his heart unto me, believing that I am the son of God, that I died on that cross, sinless, but I died because there's no remission of sin without the shedding of blood, but I shed my blood for you. If you will believe that I shed my blood for you and put yourself in my hands and profess me as the son of God, so shall you be saved. If you believe I rose again on that third day, Put your faith in me. If you're here this morning or watching by camera, whatever it may be, if God is pulling your heartstrings, you can pray right now. You can pray right where you're at. You can come to this altar. Brother Ray can pray with you. I can pray with you. But the great thing is you can pray right to the Lord yourself. He is kneeling down and looking in your eyes right now. As well as looking into mine. We serve a mighty God. Rather than point fingers at our politicians and our news people and such, let's start praying for them. Let's start recognizing that they are in that darkness. They are in that hopelessness. They're in that position of fear and despair. Many have sold out to it. But guys, there are those who have not yet. And if God can use our prayers and use who we are, then let's let him do so. If you're here this morning and you want to pray for the Lord, for you to accept the Lord, please allow us to do that. If he's telling you just pray right where you're at for a brother or loved one, or maybe you have someone who's ill and you want to just lift that to God. Isn't it great? Jarius went to the Lord and we can too. Where are you this morning? Let's all stand. I want to lead us in a word of prayer. Is Chris in? You went around? Yes, sir. Hold on, guys. Or, I mean, y'all can come on up. Uh-huh. Hey, hallelujah.
Hallelujah. So the 10th Mountain Division with his grandson that we've all been praying for has landed back in stateside this today. Hallelujah. Prayer works. Amen, my brother. Amen. Amen. Well, let's just lift up a prayer of thanksgiving right now. Father God, I lift up. This man has been every day, several times a day sometimes, posting prayers for that 10th Mountain Division, Lord God. And prayer works. You brought them all home safe. So God, now I pray you continue to protect them now. And may you just be with all your brothers, all your people here, Lord God. And may we truly sing your praise for not just that, but for all those that you're bringing through harm's way, whether it be militarily or physically with these illnesses and all. Lord, we just lay this time of invitation in your hand. And God, may we truly leave this place knowing that we know that you are God, you are Lord, you are the Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, Daryl. Amen. If God's laid it on your heart and you want to come to this altar and pray, please do. Maybe you can pray right where you're at. But let's not leave here today until we get this right. And if you're at, at watching by camera, you can get on your knees in your living room, wherever you're at. If you're driving, pull over. However, you should have been watching it probably if you were driving. But still, now's the time to pray. As we sing. If God's telling you to sing, sing out this morning. in the midst of COVID-19, God is still here. He's still large and in charge. He's on his throne and no one's going to dismount him from where he now sits. And as David taught on his his, his, Scott, his um, uh, live cast Thursday night, if you wasn't able to catch the Bible study, he did it live, but he, he promoted right there that God is still on that throne. He's still in charge. And he said something that I liked at the beginning of that, and I've lost it along the way there somewhere. Um, uh, I had a thought I was going with David when I started. But anyway, okay, never mind. 
Now you got to go back and watch the Bible study. There you go. Maybe that's why the Lord had me do that. But guys, he is still on the throne. He's still in charge. And we need to put our faith in him. Let's not live in fear. Let's live in victory. Live with joy in your heart. Visit those who get ill. Be with those who you can. Help those who need the help. Let's come together as a family. And let's continue to be the hands and feet that God's called us to be. Amen? Amen. Amen. It's good seeing everybody this morning. Praise the Lord for each one of you. Keep looking up. Brother Ray, will you close us in prayer, brother? Amen.